Great. Well, nice to see you. Welcome. And if we haven't met before, yeah, I'm Matthew. And hi, everyone at home or watching online. Thanks for being with us this morning. Hope you're enjoying. And yes, we are finishing off our Daniel series today. Very exciting. Yesterday, me and my dad, we had tickets to go and see Wales against New Zealand. And it was a, br- it was a brilliant game, although Wales, they get thrashed. Absolutely thrashed. Not that I was um, expecting us to win, to be honest, Sean, because, you know, it was the second team mostly. And, but they did well, didn't they? They did a good, you know, they made a good game for an hour. But, you know, it's 68 years since Wales have beaten New Zealand. That's a long time, isn't it? I mean, that is, it's a lifetime. It's a once-in-a-lifetime event. And so I've been thinking, you know, I was thinking to myself, you know, maybe, you know, I've never seen this game before. I was thinking maybe the one time I go will be the once-in-a-lifetime, and I can say I was there, uh, but no. Um, but I don't know about you, if, if there's any things you've ever thought about, I wonder if this would happen in my lifetime. Oh, I, you know, oh, I'd love to see that, or I'd love to see this take place, or something like that. I'm sure these things are more profound than a rugby game. Um, but I don't know, have you ever had things like that? You think, oh, I wonder, you know, would I get to see this, or will this happen? I'm sure we all have, have different things, um, like will the pothole on my street be fixed in my lifetime? I don't know, let's hope. Anyway, today, as we wrap up the Daniel series, we find Daniel in a place thinking about the future and thinking about what will he see in his lifetime and what can he hope for? And as we've seen over the weeks, Daniel and his friends, they were uh, young men who grew up in the royal court in Jerusalem. But then in 605 BC, Judah, where they lived, was defeated by the Babylonians. And King Nebuchadnezzar, he came in with his army and he took a whole load of people away captive, including Daniel and his friends. And so they end up exiles in a foreign land. And as we've gone through the series, we see how they had to negotiate now How were they going to be faithful to God? How were they going to live out their calling and their purpose and their identity and who they were suddenly, you know, in the royal courts of Babylon, not where they expected to end up, in a different culture that had different gods and different values and different worldview. And so for Daniel and his friends, and yeah, Daniel especially, over his lifetime, he had seen his own people at home turn away from God. He had seen his homeland destroyed and his people taken off into exile. Over the years, he'd seen a succession of kings in Babylon as Nebuchadnezzar passed away. And then the next one came and the next one came. And he even saw a whole new empire come in, the Persians and the Medes, defeat the Babylonians. And now there's a new world power and a new regime under King Darius. And Daniel is still there. And as the years tick by, you can see how he begins to wonder Will I ever get to return home? Will Judah and Israel ever be restored? Will the exile end? What's going to happen to us now? And on a larger scale, not just for him personally, will he get to go home again? But where's the world heading? Where, you know, what's taking place? Because he knew that his nation had called to be a nation that would be a light to the world, a light to the nations, revealing God and to be a blessing to others. But now they were scattered, and they were defeated, and they were all over the place. And so Daniel prays about these things. We see he brings these things to God, and in in Daniel um, 10, he prays and says, Oh God, uh, lean down and listen to me. Open your eyes and see our despair. See how your city, the city that bears your name, lies in ruins. We make this plea, not because we deserve your help, but because of your mercy. 
And God, he amazingly, he answers Daniel's prayer and he, he does lean down and he does listen and he speaks to him and he reveals to Daniel that actually some of the things that he hopes for aren't actually going to take place in his lifetime. They're, they're going to be further ahead. But then he shows Daniel, he opens his eyes and through visions and dreams, he, he gives him heaven's perspective on what's happening, on the events that are unfolding, and right down into the future. And so one time, uh, Angel Gabriel uh, comes, and Jesus, uh, sorry, God sends Angel Gabriel to Daniel, and uh, Daniel says this, uh, Angel Gabriel, he explained to me, he said, Daniel, I've come here to give you insight and understanding. The moment you began praying, a command was given, and now I'm here to tell you what it was, for you are very precious to God. Listen carefully so that you can understand the meaning of your vision. Isn't it wonderful, the message that God brings to Daniel? And you know, he says this to them numerous times. You're precious to God. You're dearly loved by God. You're treasured by God. What a wonderful thing for Daniel to hear. And so in the second half of the book of Daniel, he records these series of visions and dreams where God gives him a look behind the scenes, if you like, and he reveals to him that the world is more than just the physical world that we see. You know, there's more to it, but actually we live in a spiritual world. And Daniel sees that there's a, a spiritual reality. And in fact, behind the, like, the rise and falls of kingdoms in his day that he'd witnessed, that there's a, a spiritual battle going on behind between like, the forces of good and evil. And some of these visions are intense. Some of them are quite scary. He sees the plight of humanity. At one time, he says, I was troubled by all I had seen and my visions terrified me. They're like intense and they're full of symbolism. But Daniel, he meets angels who interpret the visions for him, and though he still finds them confusing and he has questions, and when you read them, you might find them confusing and have questions, we see how ultimately Daniel gets this glimpse of God's rescue plan for humanity and for the world, and that ultimately good triumphs and humanity is rescued and restored by God when God himself came into the world as a man, Jesus. And as Beth amazing, so wonderfully shared with us, Jesus, he came into the world so that we could see that God is close, we could see what God is like, and so our relationship with God could be restored, and that humanity could be restored for what God intended it. And Jesus, he lived a perfect life. He never did anything wrong. And so when he was betrayed and arrested and tried and crucified and killed by the world empire at the time, the Roman Empire, but Jesus, he had done nothing wrong. He died for the things that we have done wrong the things that would separate us from God. He took all of the evil of the world on himself. They were nailed to him when he was on the cross. But because Jesus was innocent, he was raised to life again, and he defeated the power of sin and death that has a grip on humanity. Jesus defeated it, broke through it. So now anyone, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, what Jesus did, he gives to us and we receive the amazing gift of eternal life and can have relationship with God. And so Daniel, he has a glimpse of this. In Daniel chapter 7, he sees this moment when Jesus ascends into heaven. It's like, oh, is my uh, slides working here, Ben? Can you flick it over for me? Here we go. In just a little snapshot, Daniel says, he says this, and it's, very, it's symbolic and, it's, uh, and stuff, but he, this is what he sees. He says, there before me was one like a son of man. That, that means a person coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancients of days, that's God, and was led into his presence. 
He was given authority and glory and sovereign power, and all nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. And so Daniel sees how God's kingdom of love and goodness and mercy and and all the good things that God has ultimately wins over and, and rules the world with love and goodness and God's power. So the, Daniel gets a glimpse of this. Now, I could spend all morning reading one of Dan, what, just one of Daniel's dreams and trying to explain it, try to unpack all the symbols and stuff, and believe me, we could be here all day. Would you like to do that? We could, couldn't we? But I, this morning, I do feel like actually God wants to encourage us with something really specific, something quite practical, something quite simple, actually, that comes out of what Daniel experiences. So if you would like to get into the nitty-gritty of Daniel's dreams and explore it for yourself and find out the different meanings, see how it all fits together, then I can recommend uh, there's a brilliant uh, YouTube video. If you go to the Bible Project on YouTube, they've got a brilliant video there about Daniel and some other ones as well related to it. And that will kind of unpack it in 10 minutes, what would probably take me the whole morning because these guys are amazing. And there's a, a podcast as well. So if you go onto our... Uh, YouTube of this meeting in the description. I put the links there for you. So if you're interested and you want to check that out, go for it. But for this talk, I really feel God wants to encourage us with something specific. So as we conclude our Daniel series today, what we've seen over the few weeks is that Daniel is a real hero, isn't he? I mean, Daniel is a real hero. When you look through the Bible, and especially, yeah, you see all these different characters. And the Bible, it doesn't hide their flaws. You know, sometimes when we hear stories as a kid, we get the kind of uh, airbrushed version, don't we? But in, you know, when we look in real life, it's not always as simple as these were the goodies and these were the baddies. We see that actually they were flawed and they were human, they made mistakes. And sometimes, gosh, I can't believe they did that. But Daniel is like a shining example. Daniel stands out as a shining example. And what was it about Daniel? It was Daniel was a person of integrity. Daniel lived with integrity in the big things and the small things. You know, in the very first chapter, we see um, when almost like behind the scenes, Daniel's being trained in the king's court, and there's this issue of what, what food is he going to eat, and is he going to eat the king's food, which in the context was an important issue for Daniel, and, um, and so he wanted to live with integrity, and, and, but it's something that, you know, most people probably wouldn't have noticed, You know, if Daniel had eaten the king's food and gone along with that and all that that meant for him at that time, most people, they may not have even noticed. It was something fairly personal, but it was a matter of integrity for Daniel. And so he he actually had to take a step and put himself out there and, and, and be bold and stand up. And people may not have noticed, but it was a small thing, but it was a matter of integrity for him. And then later on, we saw last week when Adam um, was, we saw Daniel being thrown to the lions and how King Darius had come in. He was a new king and he recognized Daniel's capabilities. And so he put him in charge of the satraps, uh, amongst others, wasn't it, Ads, as you said? And, um, and this made the other officials jealous of Daniel. And so they tried to find a way to, you know, accuse him and, and get him sacked, basically, or probably killed as they would then. They, you know, they didn't have um, tribunals and stuff back then, did they? It was just, you know, anyway. So, but it says this, they were looking for something. It says, then the other administrators and high officers, 
They began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn him. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. And so being trustworthy in the small things behind the scenes prepared and equipped Daniel for those moments when he was in front of the king, or there was big issues, where often it was an issue of life or death, and the small things prepared him to live with integrity when the big moments came. And Daniel's integrity is inspiring and powerful, and the way that he stood up in front of kings, it led them to recognize who God is, that God is real, that God is powerful. And we see they made decrees in light of it. And so we can see the power of Daniel's integrity and the difference it made. But in the moment, imagine being Daniel now in the moment, and you've had to make these various stands at different points. I wonder if Daniel realized the lasting effect of his integrity and the difference that it made. Probably not, because Daniel was still surrounded by, Bab- by Babylon and, all, you know, and, and everything that that meant and the different culture, different worldview. He probably felt that his influence was a drop in the ocean in the moment. But look at us here today, reading about his life, looking at his stories and taking inspiration from him and all the people through the generations that have learned from Daniel And so Daniel lived a life of faithfulness and integrity that had an impact beyond what he would ever see and what he would ever know. And then secondly, at the end of his life, when Daniel was considering all these things, God reassures him and gives him an eternal perspective. And he says this, this is right at the end of Daniel, the book of Daniel. He says, as for you, Daniel, go your way until the end. You will rest, and then at the end of days, you will rise again to receive the inheritance set aside for you. And so God reassures Daniel of his future and his future is safe with God and in him. And so for us this morning, I really feel that God wants to encourage us with these two things. That number one, to be a people of integrity and to know that as we follow Jesus, it has a value and an impact in the purposes of God often beyond what we may ever know or see ourselves but the impact goes beyond us. And then secondly, to live with an eternal perspective and to remember that this life isn't it, but there's so much more, that there's an eternity ahead of us and to live in light of all that because how we live now has an effect and is greater than what we may even see or perceive. So firstly, the power of integrity. Now this month last year, at the beginning of October, was when we celebrated Laura and Damien's wedding, our first proper COVID wedding. It was brilliant, wasn't it? And uh, it, was, it was lovely. It was fantastic to see. And I love Laura's story. I remember I was um, like in my late teens when Laura first came along to the church as a student. Um, but when Laura first came to uni, she wasn't a Christian. She didn't have faith. But she moved into a flat in the halls, and her flatmate was a girl called Emma. And Emma started coming along to us in her first year at uni, and she was a Christian. And so they, the, the whole flat, and Emma was the only Christian in their flat in the halls. And Emma was, you know, open about her faith, and you know, they were all friends and stuff. But Laura says how her and her other flatmates would test and provoke and uh, push Emma about her faith. 
And obviously, you know, when you're living with housemates, there's no hiding. There's no hiding place. How you treat one another, your attitude, how you deal with your relationships, how we, you know, go about day to day, or what you get up to on a night out, or what they would watch together as a flat. And Laura says how sometimes they would push Emma. They would try and get her to drink more than she wanted to. They would try and provoke her to get a reaction or one way or the other, and they would give her a lot of stick. But Emma just responded with kindness, faithfulness, stick to her principles, continued being friends. And, you know, I remember like in small groups, sometimes she'd share, oh, it's been a tough week, and we'd pray for her, you know, but she just continued living for Jesus in her flat. And, uh, and this went on for a whole year, and then they went for their summer break, and then the next year they all moved into a house together. And Laura says how within a couple of days, it all started up again. And they started really going for it with Emma and teasing her, giving her a stick or whatever. But Laura says this time, after a few weeks, she thought to herself, Emma has put up with us, tormenting her sometimes. You know, all this time, and she's not, she's not given up. There must be something in what she has. And she recognized that Emma had this assurance and a quiet peace and after all the stick they'd given her she thought whatever Emma has I want and so she ended up coming on an alpha course in fact the whole flat what came on an alpha course together and that's how when Laura discovered that actually what Emma had knowing Jesus that Jesus is real and what Jesus has done in Emma's life Jesus can do in Laura's life and she gave her life to Jesus and what a, and we all know and love Laura don't we and the amazing things that she does and they're helping with the church plant in the valleys now and so integrity the way we live our lives as followers of Jesus there's real power in it there is real power in it Jesus said you are the salt of the earth for what good is salt if it has lost its flavor can you make it salty again it will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. And so here we see that Jesus calls us to be the light of the world. Now, usually we think of Jesus as the light of the world, don't we? If you said, who's the light of the world? We think Jesus. But actually, that's what Jesus calls us to be. We are a part of God's plan. How we live our lives is a part of God's plan for what he wants to do in the world. In Ephesians, it says this, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So God has purposed good things for you to do and they are a part of his plan in the world to bring the things that God wants to into our world. How we live is a part of God's plan in the world. Isn't that amazing? And so as we follow Jesus and do it with integrity, we can know that every action has purpose even when we don't always see the outcome. Paul said this, My dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Now back in 2017, don't know if, oh, I've given you a preview here. It's a lovely little picture of Beth, but age seven or eight in primary school. Now, Back in 2017, do you remember when we did something called Mission to Wales? And this one we did it for the first time. We went out onto the streets 
when we were sharing faith with people, uh, praying for people, letting people know that God loves them, and all this kind of stuff, and it was a brilliant time. And we did it with all different churches across the city, and all different churches did it together in Wales. And do you remember, we'd come together in the morning, and we'd pray together, and we'd do some training, we'd have some worship, and Beth was leading the worship in the training sessions. And after we'd been doing this for a few days, um, there was an elderly lady from another church that they recognized each other and realized that this lady was one of Beth's old primary school teachers from 20 years ago. And um, so then this lady went back and she used to keep a diary when she was a teacher. So she went back to see, had she made any entries, anything to do with Beth? And she found an entry from 1997, so 20 years prior to this, and um, this is what it says. It was at a time when she was just about to retire, and she, a little bit like Daniel, was pondering about the future and thinking about um, what would happen after she retired, and she wrote how, you know, she was the only Christian in her school at the time, on the staff or whatever, and how she used to do school assemblies and share Jesus stories and songs and She's, she was wondering what would the impact be on the children about her leaving and, and that influence not being there anymore. Does that make sense? So, and she'd been praying about it. So she says this in her diary. I was thinking about the consequences of my retirement with regards to their spiritual input into the children's lives. At playtime, Beth and a friend were making up songs and a dance about Jesus. I love Jesus. Jesus loves me. These things come out of the blue. God is saying, I'm the one who works in their lives. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And so this was in 1997. And then it was about 10 years after this that Flick um, invited Beth along to church and along to Alpha. And when uh, Beth discovered Jesus for herself, like, you know, as an adult, and made that choice to follow Jesus. And now for this teacher, 20 years later, not knowing anything that had happened to Beth, in those 20 years. The next time that she sees Beth after this is Beth leading worship for churches all over the city. Isn't that an amazing thing? I bet she was so encouraged. And so for us, you know, as we live out our faith in words and deeds, as we show kindness, as we live with integrity, as we share our faith, as we tell our stories, as we offer to pray for people, as we pray for the sick and see people healed, wherever we are in the different places, the impact that we have, we may not always see, but God does wonderful things. And so let's be encouraged to go for it. Let's be assured that faithfulness is worth it. Now, the second thing with Daniel is Daniel gets given this eternal perspective. And the visions that God gave Daniel would have given him hope and assurance. And... uh, But for Daniel and the other prophets in the Old Testament who got um, given visions about what God was doing in the future, even though they were given an assurance and a hope of God's rescue, the details of it wasn't always 100% clear because, you know, sometimes it had symbols, sometimes it was far away in the future. And in Daniel's last vision, we see how he has these questions and he's thinking about it. And it says this, I heard what Daniel talked about his vision. I heard what he said, but I did not understand what he meant. And so I asked, how will all this finally end, my Lord? And how long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? Now, if I knew that Wales were going to win the World Cup in 2090 or something, I would think, wow, that's great. 
then the first thing I would do is be trying to work out, well, how old will I be in 2090? Will I get to see it? You know, will it be in my lifetime? And for Daniel and the prophets, what they would have loved is for these things to have taken place in their lifetime. They would have loved to have seen it and, uh, and to you know, experience it for themselves. And you know, there was this one time when Jesus, he actually turned to his disciples and he had just sent them out to share the good news and to heal the sick, all the things he sends us out to do as well. And uh, when they came back in, he said to this to them, blessed are the eyes that see what you have seen. I tell you, many prophets and kings long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. And so for us, when you think about that, what a, what a privilege for us, that when we look through the Bible, we see prophets and kings like, you know, Daniel or David or Deborah, any other Ds, I don't know, how they, they long to see how God's rescue would unfold and what Jesus would do and how it would all work and to experience it in their lifetime as we've experienced it in our lifetime. You know, even we weren't, we weren't there 2,000 years ago when Jesus was here in person on the earth. Jesus is alive today and he is with us through the power of the Holy Spirit in a real way. And we've experienced his rescue in our lives. And we now partner with Jesus to do the things that he did. Just like Jesus says, you are the light of the world. We're a part of what God is doing and has done through Jesus. And now he has sent us out. And so the things that they long to see, we're experiencing. Isn't that amazing? Now, Peter, who was one of Jesus' followers, years after Jesus returned to heaven, he wrote to a group of churches and he explained this to them. And he said this, this salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's sufferings and his great glory afterwards. So Peter's saying, you know, when these prophets heard uh, that God speak to them about what Jesus was going to do and his future rescue plan, like Daniel had seen these visions, they wondered, you know, when will this be? When is this going to happen? And then he says this, they were told that their messages were not for them, but for you for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preach in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is also wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things to see what will happen. Isn't that amazing? That they long to see it. And that's what we have. It's for us. So what should we do in response? Peter says, so prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. And this is talking about living as followers of Jesus, living with that integrity, following Jesus, pursuing him, being empowered by the Holy Spirit, taking a step at a time and not going back to, to what Jesus has rescued from, going back to our old way that we've turned from to follow Jesus. And obviously none of us do it perfectly. That's why we need Jesus. But it's about following him with that integrity. And he says, For you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. So for us today, as we conclude the Daniel series, let's appreciate the amazing gift that we've received and the wonderful and amazing thing that we get to a part of, 
that what we now know and experience in Jesus, heroes like Daniel long to know and long to experience in their day, and we do it in ours. So let's make the most of it, and let's go and follow Jesus together with integrity, knowing the amazing things he wants to do through us. How does that sound? Should we pray? Jesus, I thank you that you are amazing. And I thank you for what we have known and experienced in you in our lifetime. I thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for every single one of us, that you want to bring your goodness and love into our world through us and to use us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, would you empower us to live lives of integrity and faithfulness like Daniel did that we may see you do great things through us as well. In Jesus' name, amen.